0: You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6
1: 30 a.m.
0: Very good morning to you. It's Friday the 24th of November. It's Black Friday. Take advantage of those bargains of course, but we be wise not to shop until you drop. I'm Nompumelelo Sibanda standing in for Simon Brown coming to you live from the Money Web Now Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, I reflect back on the week that was on the markets and what was what there is to look forward to with Jimmy Moyaha. He's an independent market analyst and the host of the SAFM Market Update show. And we talk about the relevance and impact of credit ratings agencies, as well as South Africa's fiscal and monetary policy with Casey Delport. She's an investment analyst at Anchor Capital. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. In your morning news headlines, MoneyWeb says, uh, uh, MoneyWeb headline, uh, Vantage Goldfields BRP uh, business rescue practitioner resigns, citing difference of opinion, business day incompetence incompetence and lethargy behind Richards Bay port dysfunction. That's according to President Sarama In your morning markets, uh, U.S. markets were closed on the back of celebrating Thanksgiving. Asian markets are trading in positive territory. Uh, Sydney's up 0.22% with Tokyo trading uh, 0.85% in the green. On the commodities front, gold is trading at $1,993 an ounce. Brent crude oil at around $81.20 a barrel. Uh, platinum at $918 an ounce. Palladium, $1,049 an ounce. The rand is trading against the dollar at around $18.82. Bitcoin is uh, hovering around $37,300. Uh, 10 cents share price has taken a dip now trading at around $324.60. Top 40 opening call seen opening down around 218 points, translating to a 0.31% opening in the red. MoneyWeb now on The Money. The latter part of this week saw lower volumes traded given national holidays in the United States and Japan but the dominant narrative this week has been one of optimism that the Fed has likely come to the end of its rating hiking cycle with market players now even talking about rate cuts as early as March 2024. Perhaps a tad too optimistic but one never knows. This good vibe has seen a flurry of good days on global markets but it remains to be seen whether this is going to be sustained. I'm joined by Jimmy Moyaha. He's in independent market analyst and the host of the SAFM market update with MoneyWeb show. Thank you very much, Jimmy, for joining us. So this week and even the week before, there's been this sense that the worst is over in terms of the Fed raising rates. Do you believe the hype, Jimmy?
1: Good morning, Nupu. um the the hype is very difficult to ignore at this stage. I I wouldn't say I believe it just yet. I think we've seen in the past that uh, data points tend to come out uh, and change narratives quite quickly, especially where it relates to the U.S. Uh, we've gone through this particular uh, scenario in the past where we where markets had said. This is the terminal rate This is where things are We're going to move from here And markets got a little ahead of themselves And then the Fed had a different rhetoric But there is a bit of um, sentiment change And you're seeing that from uh, statements made by the likes of Jay Powell The Fed chair Um, And he's for the first time in a very long time Not sounding as hawkish as he was Mm. So uh, it's very difficult to ignore where where we stand at the moment And as you see some of the data points that have come out just in the month of November November, we've gotten uh, jobs numbers pointing to a lower uh, average hourly wage rate. We've gotten a lower. uh, non-farm payrolls numbers. Mm -hmm. Alongside that, we've gotten a moderating CPI number, inflation number from the U.S., which both suggest uh, individually that the U.S. economy is slowing down, but collectively then suggest that the rate hiking cycle um, may actually be reaching its terminal end. So markets are starting to price that in, starting to see where uh, the U.S. economy stands at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we would... probably get one or two more data points as confirmation points. Uh, But at this stage, it does look like we are in for potential rate cuts next year. But if we look at the South African picture as a comparative, uh, we have seen that inflation can be sticky. We've seen that inflation can come all the way down and then start to turn around and tick up. And uh, I think the, the main Reason for the optimism is probably that um, jobs data from the U.S. Because if you remember back to, uh, I'd probably say about six to twelve months ago, mm. uh, Jay Powell was very, very clear in all of the Fed meetings to say uh, the average hourly wage rate, um, and that that's, that was a consistent theme as well throughout the pandemic to say that average hourly wage rate is one of the most important factors for them to be monitoring alongside uh, the unemployment figures and all of that. And so when the the data that the Fed had been focusing on for so long starts to change and starts to map out a different tra- trajectory mm-hmm. it's very difficult to ignore the possibility that we have reached this terminal hiking cycle i think we are in for eight cuts next year certainly uh, whether or not it's q1 or q2 of next year that is probably what we might get confirmation of from the next uh data set that we'll see uh but Rate cuts are definitely on the cards across the globe next year, including South Africa.
0: Mm, Let's see. So it's been quite a good week on the local bourse with the top 40 registering gains most days. What stood out for you in the performances? Any particular stocks or sectors?
1: I think a lot of the stocks, um, or at least some of the the PGM stocks, uh, the the PGM sector has been under a lot of pressure. So to see some of that come back has been quite nice to see. Mm. Um, A lot of the numbers were sort of... uh, announcement-based and announcement-related to Telecom's numbers came out this week, and they've had a really good time since that data has come out uh spa not so much um the the, the likes of uh, pick and pay had reported previously uh so i, I think from looking at across uh, all the sectors or across the the companies in particular there are a lot of moving uh, parts that surprised the market whether to the upside or to the downside i mean i can think of uh Sabanier as an example they announced that uh, convertible bond uh, issuance of 500 million dollars and that gave the market uh quite the spook initially and then the market sort of started to settle in and just digest what that actually means and so there have been a lot of movements but what is the positive um, about all of this is that this is the first time we've had uh, consecutive weeks of finishing in the green if we close this week out in the green so if we don't lose uh, I think it's it's almost two percent if we if we don't close 2% to the red today it'll be the first time since august where we've successfully had back to back weeks of closing in the in in the green so mm. very good sentiment um from the, the the local boss side of things and it's it's a very telling sign that emerging markets are coming back uh into the minds of investors we know that when all of the conditions that have been around for from a macro point of view have been concerning investors, emerging market flight was something that was a serious concern then. We've seen a lot of um, flight out of South Africa as well, but we've also seen a lot of inflows uh, where our stocks are really good companies, really good and uh, really well-managed companies, and they're really attractive at these valuations. So I have been looking at some stocks and some of these valuations are looking very attractive, especially going into 2024. Um, But the positive uh, that I've taken from this week, the big positive is that we are starting to see risk sentiment return to emerging markets. And that would only bode well for us in 2024 if all these other conditions are relaxing as we anticipate.
0: Yeah. So you touched on commodities a bit earlier, but, uh, you know, China has not really gained that economic momentum that people were hoping it would. So to what extent does that concern you for our commodity exporters and their stocks?
1: Well, our commodities markets has already—they've already gone through what I would think would be the worst they can go through. I mean, we we anticipated coming uh, sort of out of. Covid coming into 2023, that the the large movements and the large demand was going to come from Chinese demand. It was going to spur on global uh, GDP growth. Was going to be led by Chinese growth and Chinese demand. That didn't happen. Uh, markets fell flat. PGMs came under a lot of pressure. Commodities uh, across the board came under a lot of pressure. And we're starting to see that the markets have pretty much weathered the worst of that. Uh, the Chinese economy on their side has come out at random bursts of. Of uh, economic stimulus or attempts at economic stimulus because they themselves are seeing that their previous approach may not have been the approach that they th- or it may not have resulted in what they thought it might. I mean, if you remember back to the tech, uh, the tech crackdown um, of the pandemic, I think it was 2020, 2021, uh, a lot of things were learned from that. A lot of lessons were learned by global investors around the position of the Chinese government where it relates to uh, their economy versus the global economy. Um, So I I definitely think that we have probably gone through the worst of the demand cycle or the lower demand levels that we've seen. Um, I think going forward from here, we'll start to see a moderating of inflation and interest rates around the world. And that will obviously spur on demand in other areas and other locations. Um, from from China's perspective, they know that they need to be encouraging and boosting economic growth for their own sake, uh, as well as for the sake of the global economy. I mean, even if they Want to put the global economy aside a lot of what happens in China, a lot of what 's produced in China is still consumed in China, so they're a very internal kind of uh, economy that would then um, import, produce, and consume things locally as well so from that perspective they co- they can ill afford to not have demand pick up as well, so I think the companies locally have been able to weather that storm. I don't see us printing lower pricing anytime soon than what we have printed unless there's major announcements. And um, I'll use Sabanya as another example. I mean, we I I'd sort of anticipated that we could potentially come down to 22 Rand on the share, and we did. And we only really came below 22 Rand once that convertible note came out. So that wasn't a function of external demand or or lower commodities pricing, it was more a function of other um, announcements from the company. So from an economic point of view, I think we have um, seen or nearing the bottom end of this uh, economic soft uh, commodities um, soft cycle.
0: Mm. Jimmy, very optimistic view of uh, what uh, we have in store going forward. Thank you very much for your time, Jimmy Moyaha. uh, He's an independent market analyst. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager money web now on the money credit rating agencies are a powerful force, especially when it comes to making a call on a country's credit worthiness. Global investors and market players take to heart the views of the big three credit rating agencies, and their views often determine the extent to which a country has access to finance and at what cost. And with South Africa deemed to be in junk status territory by all three over a decade, it's had to endure government debt bond yields in excess of 12%. I'm joined by Casey Delport. She's an investment Analyst in the Fixed Income Division at Anchor Capital. Thank you very much, Casey, for joining us. Just give us a quick reminder of the role of ratings agencies when it comes to sovereign credit and why market players take it so seriously.
2: Good morning and thank you for having me on the show today. Sure. So essentially... You know, sovereign credit ratings are really assessments, as you mentioned, you know, provided by credit rating agencies that gauge the creditworthiness of a country's government and its ability to meet financial obligations, particularly debt repayments. So in turn, you find that these ratings serve as indicators for investors and financial markets to assess the level of risk associated with lending money to a particular government. So what we see is that, you know, the major credit rating agencies such as Moody, Standard & Poor's, um, etc., they then assign grades or scores to sovereign nations based on these sort of various economic and political factors. And they become sort of the de facto base that a lot of investors, particularly uh, international investors, use to, you know, to gauge if if you want to partake in that particular country. Yeah.
0: So South Africa's credit rating first started to be downgraded to junk in 2012. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. And the ratings agency kept taking the rating down a further notch as the perception of the country worsened. But even though the country's economic trajectory and challenges have not really been that encouraging for a number of years, there seems to have been a reluctance by the ratings agencies to plunge the country any any further into junk. Why do you think our sovereign credit rating has been so resilient amid so many challenges, albeit still stuck in junk status?
2: Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting sort of turn of events. I mean, a junk status is by no means a, a credit rating that any any sovereign desires. But I really, you know, this sense, it, it really can be construed as, as a bit of a positive that we haven't worsened further. And I think it's largely as a result of, uh, you know, the strong beneficiaries we've been of that of that commodity cycle that we've seen in the last few years that really did actually help improve a lot of our sort of fiscal metrics in that sense, the, mm-hmm. the ones that the credit rating agencies really focus on and then we take into account you know there has been some reform progress across our economy albeit you know incredibly slowly there has been issues of that popping through the credit rating agencies as well have seemed uh, quite positive around our sort of um, electricity reform measures and that as well um you know moving all to more private supply they see ESCOM as a real sort of and the issues at ESCOM and our power supply is a real key uh, key determinant so that has i think been just enough to to keep us sort of you know floating, uh, floating uh, on floating um water uh other than being plunged further i mean to go we already you know we're not just at the brink of sort of junk status or non-investment grade rating we actually quite far a few d- levels down in the metrics already so i think it would have to be sort of severe downturn for for the rating agencies to uh, plunge us uh, any further but uh i think that uh you know the a lot of the rating agencies will also be waiting for for next year post our electoral cycle and, um, and you know, seeing what the outcomes are from there before they you know, reassess any further.
0: Yeah, of course you don't have a crystal ball but when you look at the current fiscal metrics right now Treasury is talking about stabilising public debt to just below 78% of GDP in the fiscal year 2025-2026 while the budget deficit for this fiscal year is expected to be wider of 4.9% compared to an earlier estimate of 4%. Is South Africa at the precipice of a fiscal disaster or is the country doing enough to help steer us away from a major crisis.
2: Ironically, if you had asked me that question maybe two, or three years ago, I would have mentioned that we were very much, you know, at that at that brink. Luckily, we have managed to to pull things back a little bit in the last few years. Again, mm. you know, that, that commodity cycle has been a huge help in that regard. Um, yes, you know, things have have worsened this year as well. It's starting to make investors feel um a bit more uncomfortable, but we're not quite yet at the at the end of the runway. We still have a little bit of room. We are again, you know, seeing the, those positive reform measures coming through. Um, again, can't stress enough the. Um, the positivity that we feel coming in from the sort of um, the benefits and changes coming in our electricity sector as well. I know it's hard to feel it as, as South Africans when, when we're sitting in load shedding but things yeah. are improving and in that regard we are seeing that filter through on our on economic data and our, our activities from you know the, the economy at this point this year has, has remained surprisingly resilient amid, amidst everything. So I think we, we, you know, we're getting we're inching a little bit closer as of this year. Um, we'll have to see with the, with the budget speech in February next year, you know, the full extent of, of where we're sitting. Yeah. But as you mentioned, you know, it's very difficult with, uh, to pull a crystal ball, especially with uh, a country that's moving into an electoral cycle soon enough. you are seeing a lot more instances of, you know, populist policies coming in through from our government. So it's very hard to, you know, to see through that noise and, and come through. So in terms of forecasts and abilities, I, I always say, you know, we need to wait until after. The elections next year, so we can just sort of see the clear path going
0: forward. Fair enough. And then one last one: uh, the Reserve Bank made a call to leave interest rates unchanged yesterday, pretty much in line with market expectations. Uh, but do you think that this we've come to the end of the road in terms of rate hikes?
2: yes you know i think we we have come to a peak with regards to, to interest rate hikes and then we believe that we will remain at sort of our current levels for some time um at the end of the day the the forward-looking real interest rate is already high enough for the prevailing economic backdrop um, with our inflation forecasts actually remaining inside the, the target range and, and demand driven and sort of wage inflation actually remaining uh, modest i think any possible interest rate cuts will only likely materialize towards the end of 2024 um, and will depend on the, on the inflation outlook, both of course, you know, locally and globally, and then interest rate developments across the globe as, as we progress into to the new year. I know the market has been fairly fairly bullish up until yesterday, believing mm. we could possibly see interest rate cuts, um, you know, in the second quarter of next year. Um, we've always maintained that it's very much an end of 2024 story, even going into 2025 only.
0: All right, thank you so much for your insights on this early morning, Casey. That was Casey Delport. She's an investment analyst in the fixed income division at Anchor Capital. Hello. Well, that's a wrap for today. Uh, for this week, wishing you a great day further. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb Now is live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and app at 6.30am and podcast just after 7am. I want to give my thanks to the MoneyWeb team, to you for listening and our guests for their time. I'm Nompumela Losiziba. I've been standing in for Simon brown uh, with uh, all things being well he'll be back in seat next week take care you've been listening to another money web now podcast posted every weekday at 7 a.m on moneyweb.co.za MoneyWeb now on the money